Section 13 of Uncollected Stories of L. M. Montgomery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcia Epic Harris. Uncollected Short Stories of L. M. Montgomery by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Section 13 One Mother's Opinions. The little mother who was serving and the schoolma'am who was curled up in an armchair were talking. The schoolma'am always said she got many a hint from the little mother, which helped her wonderfully in ruling her motley little subjects in the brown schoolhouse. Presently, five-year-old Winnie ran in, bubbling over with excitement about an accident that had befallen her doll. The little mother's sewing had to be laid aside while she listened to Winnie's story, sympathized, and comforted the little maid, and finally saw her run happily off to her play again. How could you stop your work and listen to it all so interestedly when you were in a hurry to finish your sewing? asked the school ma'am. I'm sure I wouldn't have had the patience. The little mother smiled. I'm afraid I wouldn't have either, always. But last summer, I learned a lesson one day when I was calling on Mrs. Clifford, you know her daughter, Edith Clifford, that bright, handsome girl who is so clever and ambitious? Mrs. Clifford was talking to me about Edith. She said that Edith never confided in her, never talked to her of her plans and hopes, her failures and successes, as she did to her own girlfriends, or as other girls did to their mothers. She said she felt completely shut out of her daughter's inner life. The tears were in her eyes as she spoke. I felt so sorry for her, and yet I couldn't help thinking she was greatly to blame herself for it, although I am sure she would have been much surprised had anyone told her so. For she has always been a most affectionate and self-sacrificing mother. But often, when I was there, when Edith was a tiny girl, I have seen her come to her mother just as Winnie came to me now, eager to tell some little incident or plan, which seemed very trifling to a busy woman but of great importance in the eyes of a child. Mrs. Clifford would push her away, sometimes impatiently, saying, Edith, dear, mother is too busy. Or, there, there, I haven't time to bother now. Edith's face would cloud over, and she would go away with quivering lips. What wonder if, after repeated repulses, the child came to think that none of her little interests mattered to her mother. She had grown up with that impression, and it can never be effaced. I thought of all this while Mrs. Clifford was speaking, and I made a compact with myself never to risk the loss of my child's confidence in like manner. I believe that if Winnie, when she comes to me in her small trials and triumphs now, always finds me ready to listen and sympathize or suggest, she will continue to do so when she grows into young girlhood. You are right, little mother, said the school ma'am. I haven't forgotten how grieved and hurt I used to be when I was a wee mite and found that grown people took no interest in what seemed so wonderful to me, or what was even worse, laughed at or ridiculed some of my childish thoughts when I tried to express them. Oh, it cut right to the bone and marrow. It is a pity that most folks never seem to realize how sensitive the blossom of a child's confidence is. At the first rude touch it shrinks and closes never to reopen. By the way, little mother, what are you doing? Little mother laughed. 
Something foolish, I dare say, you'll think. You know I made these two print aprons for Lillian to wear to school. They were long, full, high-necked, and long-sleeved. Very neat and nice, I thought, besides being very serviceable. When Lillian came home from school yesterday, there were tears on her face. When I asked her what the trouble was, she said that the girls in her class had laughed at her aprons and called them baby dresses. So I am taking off the sleeves and cutting down the necks. I suppose many people would think me very foolish indeed, but I don't think I am. Of course, I think a mother should stand firm if a real principal were involved, and I don't believe in humoring mere whims or vanity either, but neither do I think that a mother ought to inflict unnecessary discomfort on a child. Lillian is very sensitive and would really suffer if she had to go on wearing those aprons at which her little world laughed. This seems very trifling to me, of course. But suppose I myself were compelled to wear a broad sum garment, no matter how serviceable it might be, which my acquaintances ridiculed. I know how I would feel. So I didn't try to scold or ridicule Lillian, and I'm fixing over the aprons. I know, nodded the school ma'am. When I was a little tot, an uncle brought me home a pair of embroidered deerskin moccasins from the West. My parents made me wear them to school, and I'll never forget how I suffered. Looking back now, I know that the moccasins were really very sweet and pretty, and I wish somebody would give me a pair like them nowadays. But nothing like them had ever been seen in my small world before, and they seemed to me very odd and bizarre. Nobody else wore such things, and I felt as if everybody were looking at my feet. How I loathed and detested those poor little gay little moccasins. They both laughed. Then the little mother said, I'm going to fess to something else so that you'll not get too much of a shock when you see him. I had Teddy's curls cut off today. Oh, little mother, protested the school ma'am. Why did you do it? I've approved of you right along, but I can't, no, I can't approve of this. His lovely long golden curls? Well, I discovered that his lovely long golden curls were so many thorns in my little son's soul. Oh, I hated to let them go. They did look so sweet and picturey when I combed them out over his velvet suit and lace collar. But poor Ted's heart was broken. He said that the other boys laughed at him and called him girl baby and offered him curl papers, and he just couldn't stand it. I had a bit of a struggle with myself. Then I thought I had no right to make Ted's life a wilderness of woe just to gratify my maternal vanity. So I took Ted to the barber's, and he is a shorn lamb now, bless his dear little round, close-clipped pate. He isn't half so pretty, but he's a great deal happier. What a wise Teddy to choose you for his little mother, said the school ma'am with a resigned sigh. End of section 13. Recording by Marcia Epic Harris.